Hey folks, just a quick announcement. We've got two actually before we get this episode underway. Um, in the beginning of this episode, I talk about how we're going to go over our NFL mock draft that we posted on the website last Saturday. We talked so much college basketball in this episode that that's going to be pushed back to next week's episode, and we're going to focus strictly on basketball in this one. So just disregard everything I say in the intro about talking our, about our NFL mock draft. I typically try to keep these episodes in you know a 20 to 30 minute frame and if I went on to the NFL mock draft that just wasn't going to be the case so college basketball only in this episode sorry for those who are looking forward to the NFL mock draft that's going to be next week and without further ado another announcement hey folks thanks for listening to the student section podcast once again just wanted to give a quick reminder before we started the episode the student section podcast is now on YouTube we are releasing a video companion to every single podcast we make. You can find our channel at youtube.com slash at student section sports, or you can just look us up when you get on YouTube. Once again, the channel is at student section sports. Going to be bringing a lot more content over there on YouTube, a lot more long form video content film analysis. So be ready for all that. I'm super excited to get started over there. And with that being said, folks, we've got an action-packed episode ahead. So enjoy the episode and take care. Let's talk some college basketball. Folks, happy Friday and welcome in to another edition of the Student Section Podcast where we talk all things college sports. This is episode number 14. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. Always remember we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at Student Section Pod, new Instagram handle, or you can visit our website at thestudentsection.net. A lot of good content over there, written content, articles. We got a new NFL mock draft out that I want you guys to check out, which we will talk about in this episode. Remember to subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. Download the show, give it a rating, share it with your friends. Helps us grow. College sports are always better with friends, folks. So, with that being said, welcome into the episode. We have a lot to talk about this week. I want to talk a little bit of college basketball. We've kind of been neglecting it as of late, but there's a lot of storylines. I want to get into a bit of bracketology because, hey, folks, March is next month. We are now in February. Conference play is really starting to heat up. We're approaching the the end of the season in conference tournaments, so I want to talk about all that going forward, some of the teams I like in my bracket going forward. And we're going to switch gears to an NFL mock draft that we posted last weekend. I want to get in to some of the picks I like, some of the picks that I don't like. I want to talk about some players to watch, what certain teams should be doing. We are going to go all in on the NFL draft in the coming months. We're going to be talking about it a lot, releasing a couple mock drafts, um, releasing a couple mock draft-related episodes of this podcast where we talk about the draft itself. I'm so excited to get that done. So without further ado, I don't want to waste any more of your time. Let's get into this episode. Let's talk a bit of college basketball. Let's talk about bracketology. Let's do it. Right, folks, so we're at the point in the college basketball season now, you know, we're right into February where people typically have 
a definitive number one team and a team that's really that everyone picks to win in their brackets or a majority of people pick to win in their brackets. You know, a team that's the top dog, a team that rises above the pack to this point in the season. In the past couple seasons, it's been Gonzaga and Baylor typically. There were a couple years where Duke was in there, if you go back four or five years. But this year, nobody has a clue. I mean, Purdue is now the unanimous number one team in the country. This is the only time this season that we've had a unanimous number one. College basketball has been all over the place this season. It's been an absolute roller coaster ride. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to take you through my top seeds in this tournament, kind of the teams I'm looking at, give you guys an insight into how I'm assessing them. And we're going to start off at the top, my number one overall seed, and that is still going to be Purdue. I mean, Purdue is a matchup nightmare for nearly anyone they play. Zach Eadie's averaging 22 and 13. They don't have, teams don't have an answer for that. I mean, you know, teams like Michigan have played them tight. Teams like Indiana have played them tight at times. But in the end, Purdue is going to have the matchup edge over any team they play against. And I think people are going to notice that as we get closer to the tournament. So I'm anticipating them being the most popular pick. I mean, just looking off the cu- um, off the cusp here, they're second in the nation in offensive efficiency, still top 20 defensively, but they're the number one rebounding team in college basketball, 38% offensive rebound percentage, and a 23% defensive rebound percentage or offensive rebound percentage while they're on defense, I should say. Both those numbers are top 10 in the country, one of two teams in the country to have both of their rebounding statistics in the top 10, and winning on the boards the way they do and how they do it so dominantly is going to be huge in these March games, in these Big Ten tournament games, because these games are going to turn in to 55-49 slugfests where you're going to need to dominate the boards, teams aren't going to be hitting their shots, and you're going to need to be a physical team to win these games. These Big Ten tournament games, folks, these are going to be wars. I can't wait for the Big Ten tournament. There is so much parity. And a team like Purdue is built to win those physical games, those wars. The only thing that I have against Purdue, and I know a lot of people do, is their lack of jump shooting. I mean, their jump shooting isn't terrible, but their their guard play is suspect at times. I mean, they're in the bottom 100 in the country in three-point percentage. They're in the they're they're just outside the top 50 in two-point percentage, and they're shooting 75% from the line. You know, Purdue's one of those teams where on the outside, they're very, very streaky. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer has done a good job, and I don't want to leave out Braden Smith. They've both done good jobs. They're kind of those do-it-all Swiss Army Knife guards that every team needs. But Purdue does not have the knockdown shooter that these other teams I'm going to talk about have. And that's going to lead me into my next team, and that's Alabama. I have Alabama as a one seed. I think you should, too. They have played nearly a perfect season you know, outside of a handful of slip-ups against UConn, Gonzaga, and Oklahoma. I really think that Oklahoma game was a fluke in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Alabama, they followed it up with a 101-44 win, and I think that proved that. They're still a perfect 9-0 in the SEC, which is obviously widely regarded as the second or third best conference in the country. They've played the tough schedule, and they have the offense. They have the firepower to beat anyone. Brandon Miller... 
He's going to be a top five pick in the upcoming NBA draft, averaging 20 and 8. He's shooting 82% from the line, 46% from the field, efficient as ever, and he's got a steal and block per game as well. I mean, Marcus Sears and and um, Nick Clowney, or Noah Clowney, sorry, have really stepped up because Javon Quinterly hasn't come back from his injury the way many would have hoped. I mean, he's averaging 7.5 per game, you know, 3.5 assists. He hasn't been the star that many expected him to be. I mean, after some of his performance that he put in last season, many were putting this guy up there with the Wooden Award finalists, and he hasn't exactly returned to that form this year. Maybe he does come March, but if he doesn't, Alabama's going to be just fine because their guards have really, really stepped up in these in these clutch games in the SEC. Just looking at their schedule, obviously, they've got the wins over Houston. They've got the wins over Memphis. They've played Gonzaga tough. I mean, that game was one of the best of the season, 100-90 to at a neutral site. They've beaten Michigan State. They've got wins over Mississippi State, LSU. A lot of solid teams on this schedule. They've beaten mid-major squads that are really good, such as Liberty. They make more threes than anyone in the nation. Approximately 51% of their made field goals are of the three-point variety. And that's why I might give them the edge over a team like Purdue when it comes tournament time. Because if teams like this get hot, if teams like Alabama can consistently hit their shots, they're unstoppable. I mean... They're number one in the country in adjusted tempo. Their average possession takes just 15 seconds before they get a shot off. Not a lot of teams can match the speed of Alabama, just like a majority of teams can't match the size of Purdue. And for that reason, Alabama is an absolute matchup nightmare for any team they play against. Uh, Next up on the one line, this might shock a lot of people, but I have Tennessee. Tennessee is one of those teams where... There is no definitive star, but they play so well together. I have no choice but to put them here. I mean, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys averaging at least eight points per game. Santiago Vescovi obviously leads the way. He, Like we talked about with the Purdue guards, he's the kind of do-it-all guy that every team needs. But hey, you look at Tennessee, nobody shares the ball like this team does. Nobody plays better in a system like this team does. Rick Barnes has them playing at an elite level. They're assisting on 66% of their made field goals. They're grabbing a ton of rebounds. They're the number one team in defensive efficiency in college basketball. Teams are shooting just 39% against them on the season. I mean, they're turning them they turn their opponents over on one of every four possessions. This team has athletes, this team has shooters, this team has rebounding. This is one of the most well-rounded teams in recent memory, in my opinion. I mean, very rarely do you have a team that doesn't have a specific identity and just does it all the same way that these Rick Barnes Tennessee teams do. I think last year was kind of the the trial version, the beta version of showing what this team is capable of. And this year they've stepped it up to a whole new level. They've got some really, really great wins over teams like Kansas, teams like Texas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I know they've just dropped that game to Florida, which, you know, say what you will about it. They, they were kind of due for a letdown. But I still think this is one of the best teams in college basketball, most definitely uh, one of the best four teams in college basketball. I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So they're going to stay in my one seed. Obviously, it all depends what happens in that SEC tournament. But All right, last but not least on my one line, I have the Houston Cougars. And 
I get that this is a team that a lot of people have kind of soured on over the course of the season, especially after that loss to Temple, who, by the way, is a very good team, but still not a game Houston should have lost. This is a team to me that almost is now flying under the radar. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule for the rest of the season. Right now they're 21-2, and obviously first place in the American. They're going to win out. They're most likely going to win the American. And that will lead to them getting a one seed. I mean, they're going to be a 29-30-2 team. They're going to slide nicely into the one seed. And once again, this is a team that somehow everyone's sleeping on after they were number one for a while there. But Marcus Sasser, obviously last year, one of the best players in the country because of the injury, because he's come back slower than usual this year, is still flying a bit under the radar Averaging 16 points on 37% shoot or 42% shooting, nonetheless. Jarris Walker was picking up the slack in the beginning of the season. And then guys like Tremont Mark and Juwan Roberts also chipping in as well. As Sasser gets closer and closer to 100%, which I still don't believe he's at yet, this team's going to be more and more dangerous. I'm not worried about this Houston team. And I know you probably forgot about them, or you probably. Let them slip to the back of your mind a bit, but definitely don't because this is a team that's going to make a lot of noise come March. I mean, they had the star power to do it. They've got the defense to do it, defense and rebounding. That's this team's calling card. Dead last in tempo, first in defense, first in block percentage in their conference. This team can flat out defend, much like Tennessee. This is one of those years where... You, you you know, you've got Purdue, you've got uh, Tennessee, you've got Houston. Alabama's kind of the outlier there in the top four. This is one of those defensive years. I, I look back at 2019 when Virginia played Texas Tech in the championship. Uh, Tony Bennett and Chris Beard, those were two great defensive teams. I think we're going to get another year like that in the tournament this year. Just the way the sport's trending and the types of teams that have won the big games and ascended to the top. That's just the way it looks right now. Obviously, things could change, but that's my take on how the overall landscape of the sport uh, looks based on these top four seeds. So moving on, we're going to talk a bit about maybe some sleeper teams at the lower seeds I like. They don't necessarily have to be lower seeds, but you know, teams that aren't at the top and on the one line. And as we jump into that category of sleeper teams, my first one's going to be North Carolina. Remember those guys? You know, the preseason number one. And they, you know, they've kind of fallen off the face of the earth as of late, but they're a solid team. I mean, you look at their past 12 games. They're first in the SEC, or ACC, apologies, in field goal percentage, first in offensive efficiency. This team's come back to life in the second half of the season. They're first in rebounding as well. I don't know if I mentioned that. Armando Baycott, All-American season, 18 and 12. Most likely would have been in the Wooden Award conversation had it not been for guys like Zach Eady coming out of nowhere and blowing up this season. The backcourt duo of R.J. Davis and Caleb Love is been, has been better. They've still not played up to expectations, but they're both averaging at least 16 points per game, and they're both averaging over 3.5 assists. Leaky Black still has been the one uh, solid stalwart on this team, carrying them on the defensive end, easily one of the best defenders in college basketball as a whole. He's been stellar. This past two years, really, been the unsung hero of Hubert Davis's team. And this game tomorrow against Duke is going to be the real... The real teller of how good this team really is. I think, you know, UNC and Duke are two teams that played tough schedules at the beginning of the year, kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while, but now we're trying to make a resurgence. And winning this game at Cameron could absolutely send their resume through 
the roof, whoever wins this one. I think this is a huge high-stakes game when it comes to NCAA tournament seeding. I can't wait. So that's my first sleeper team. Speaking of sleeper teams, here's another team you might have forgot about. Oral Roberts, the Golden Eagles of the Summit League. Obviously, everyone remembers them for their big Cinderella run back in 2021. That included the victory over Ohio State. But this team is way better than that team. I mean, Max A. Smith, the all-American guard, future NBA guard, is still there. He's averaging 22-5, and five, shoots over uh, 38% from three and 46% from the field. But this time, they've got a secret weapon, and that's Connor Vanover, the 7'5", 227-pound center from Little Rock, Arkansas. Nobody saw this kid coming, and he has quickly become one of the best rebounders in all of college basketball, top five in rebounding. And I want to give you a little glimpse at what makes this Oral Roberts team tick. They are top 20 in the country in offensive efficiency, top five in tempo, top five in effective field goal percentage, bottom five in turnover percentage. This team can flat out score the basketball. They're top 25 in both two-point and three-point percentage. They shoot over 80% from the line. And again, they're only turning the ball over on 6% of their offensive possessions. Just crazy numbers. This team can score at will. And all it's going to take in the tournament for this team to upset somebody or spring, you know, and another unlikely Cinderella run is for them to get hot shooting at the right time. And they have proven time and time again this year that that is not going to be a hard thing for them to do. So Oral Roberts is my second sleeper team that you should look out for. I want to move on to Kent State now, a team that I haven't heard anyone talk about. I mean, you look at their record, they are 21 and or 18 and 4 on the season, sorry. 3 of their losses, Charleston, Houston, and Gonzaga, all three on the road. This is a team with a ton of senior leadership. They play phenomenal defense. They force the second most turnovers in all of college basketball at 21%. They're blocking shots 14% of the time, 11% steal rate, and second in their conference in defensive efficiency. Sincere Carey is one of the best senior leaders in the country. He's averaging 17, 5, and 4 on 41% shooting. Elsewhere on that team, you've obviously got Malik Jacobs, another senior, averaging 12-5. and five. I keep going back to it, but again, these are do-it-all guys. These are guys that you need come March. I mean, Miriam Thomas, the 6'8 power forward, he's averaging 12-6 on 40% shooting. They, they, like, them and Tennessee are almost a mirror image of each other with how balanced these rosters are. I'm definitely picking Kent State to beat whoever the hell they play in the first round because I think right now Lenardi has them at like a 13 seed or a 12 seed. I can't wait to see that matchup. Um, I don't want to talk about them much, but I'm going to move to Florida Atlantic because they, they just lost that game the day before I recorded this podcast to UAB. I'm so mad. But Florida A&M is a fantastic squad. They've got shooters all over the court. Young team, too. Well-coached team. I can't wait to see where they go going forward but that's all i got for sleeper teams now just a bit of general talk and then we will get out of here now these are some teams that aren't necessarily sleepers that i'm watching because you know they're very high seeds or middle seeds but definitely teams to watch going forward and the first one is going to be arizona i mean arizona has fallen off the one line as of late but i mean in my opinion they have a top three player in college basketball in as well as to Bellis. They're another team, much like Alabama, 
16 seconds per possession, uh, per possession. They shoot the three at the highest rate in college basketball, and they assist on 70% of their made field goals. Definitely a stat to watch going forward is that assist per made field goal stat. I love judging teams by how well they move the ball because that's what wins games come March. They've got three losses to Utah, Washington State, and Oregon. Those three losses being in conference do hurt them, but they've really stepped it up as of late. They've won six of their last seven, including a 40-point outing from Tubelis in their previous game. I like Arizona. I also like Oklahoma State right now, who is really the last team in, according to some um, analysts, but I like them as a much higher seed than that. I really think them reaching this tournament is just a testament to how good the Big 12 actually is. They are definitely a team to watch going forward. I like them. I also like Boise State and NC State. You know, once again, two well, uh, two teams that shoot the jumper better than anyone, two teams that play at a very fast pace. And the last team I'm going to touch on is Texas. I know Texas is kind of hit a rough patch after the whole coaching fiasco, but I really do think as the season goes on, they're going to get better and better and better. And if you look at their losses, they're all good losses. They've got a lot of chances to prove themselves going forward against Kansas State, Kansas, uh, Hugh, um, not Houston. I just lost the schedule. Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, so many good games for them going forward. But that's all I got for this episode, folks. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. This was episode 13. Always remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at Student Section Pod or online at thestudentsection.net. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. Download the show. And remember, next episode, we are going to have our NFL mock draft. We're going to talk about the whole thing. Stay tuned for that. I cannot wait, folks. Without further ado, I'm going to get you guys out of here. Whether you're on the couch or in the bleachers this week, enjoy the games. Take care.